everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by co-lead pastor Amos Grunendijk. Good morning, guys. So, right around 1900, a man named Samuel Pierpont Langley was on the edge of something big, an innovation that would change the world. He had the money. He had been contracted by the U.S. War Department, given $50,000, which was a lot of money back then when the yearly wage average was $432. He had Harvard connections. He knew some of the most powerful inventors and innovators of the time, including Carnegie and Alexander Graham Bell. But you've probably never heard of Samuel Pierpont Langley. Am I right about that? You haven't heard of him because two bicycle shop salesmen in Dayton, Ohio, with very little education and very little money, successfully put a plane in the air at Kitty Hawk for the first time. An innovation or an invention that uh, affects us all today. In fact, I spent most of last week in Miami, and I have not uh, this guy who has a very long name, Samuel Pierpont Langley, to thank for it. I have the Wright brothers to thank for it. We can travel the world uh, because of this invention. So why did the Wright brothers succeed without the things that we think lead to success, money and resources and connections, when uh, Langley could not? It was because Langley didn't have a clear sense of why he was doing it, or at least he didn't have a compelling sense of why he wanted to fly. Langley was in it for the money, and he was in it for the fame. The Wright brothers did it because they had this deep love for flight. It came to them when they were children. Their dad bought them a little flying toy helicopter from France. And they played with it so much that when they broke it, they remade it and made their own so that they can continue exploring the skies with not just their imagination, but with their toy. The Wright brothers were able to accomplish what Pierre DuPont Langley could not because they had a clear why. They started with why, and it was their love for what they were doing that drove them to their success. We're in a series this month called What's Your Why? Of course, culminating in Vision Sunday, where we'll look forward to what we believe God is calling this church to do over the next year. And uh, we've been looking at this golden circle as Simon Sinek calls it, where at the core of who we are, at the middle is the why, flowing out from that, the how and the what. But when I ask you, what's your why, there's a decent chance that you have difficulty describing it. Uh, In fact, even if we ask someone how they're doing, right, you'll do this all the time, how are you doing? Instead of saying how they're doing, they'll describe what they've been doing. The reason for this is actually biological. I learned this this week. It's really fascinating. Um, The limbic brain is the part of your brain that drives your decision-making. It also drives your feelings, like trust and loyalty. But unlike uh, the neocortex, the limbic system has no capacity for language. 
Does that make sense? The thing that actually drives our behaviors is unable to put words to those behaviors quite often. It's because it's two different parts of your brain. And so to get to your why and give language to your why, while it's very important, is actually very, very difficult. And so this series has kind of been uh, an attempt for uh, our church to put language to our why, but then hopefully, uh, as a result, you can, you can find your why for yourself. And so last week, I put up this slide to talk a little bit about how we operate here. Our why is the, Jesus. What we do and how we do it is all centered on Jesus and how he loves Last week, we talked specifically about how Jesus loves uh, people who are not already connected to him or connected to the community that he started, or uh, in this case, a tax collector called Matthew. And so how we do things, we want to reflect uh, Jesus' heart for people. And then we talked about some of the what, like why we use the language we use and why the service flows the way that it flows. I want to talk about another how and what here, uh, just a second. The why, of course, doesn't change. But uh, the how, and as I've been thinking about this, I, I realized something very interesting. The, the how is actually about value. Like your values uh, can be expressed in that level of the circle. So how you do things reflect your values, or you might say virtues or methods. Uh, and then the behaviors are the, the, the methods, or sorry, the, the behaviors are the external things. The what is the thing that you can see? You might not actually be able to see the value behind an action. You can see the action. But you, as the person doing it, will probably have at least a sense of how you've done it. Uh, and then we're trying to get down into why. But here at, here at the vineyard, our why stays the same. Jesus and the way he loves. Some values we have are simplicity and uh, the, the way the Sunday experience works. Like when you come to church, we value, we want you to experience Jesus. We want you to have some sort of interaction with God per, through the Holy Spirit. What do I mean by the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is like God's like, presence that you can feel that is active in the world today, even though Jesus, we believe, has gone to heaven. His Holy Spirit was sent here to be with us. God with us, close to us, present to us. So because we value simplicity in the Sunday experience, that shapes how or what we uh, make our announcements look like. So you may have noticed that we don't do a lot of announcements in our church. Well, that's for two reasons. We want to keep like your life simple. On the one hand, we don't want your life to fill up with church stuff. It is possible to fill your life up with church stuff, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, and then your schedule is full and you get overwhelmed and there's actually something that you're unable to do. Uh, you're unable to make friends outside of this circle of people, which actually runs very contrary to how Jesus lived his life. And if we want to love like Jesus, we have to pay attention to who Jesus is loving. And yeah, he spends a lot of time with his disciples. He spends not a whole lot of time in church with church people. He spends a lot of time crashing parties and making friends outside of what we might call the religious establishment. So back to announcements or verbal communications on Sunday, uh, we always, because we value the Sunday experience, we're driving you toward God. And we find that a lot of details and a lot of things kind of rob the momentum of the service. Have you ever noticed that? If, if announcements are long, 
the, the, the flow of things gets interrupted. And so like the what we do, the, the events, the groups, like that's, that's all important and that's why we have the connect cards. Uh, if you read the connect card, that doesn't interrupt the flow of the service. If you sign up for the weekly email, you can get all the what's. In fact, not everything we do even ends up on the connect card. Why is that? Because we value simplicity and we want you to read them. If there was 100 things on the connect card, you may not see the thing that uh, really connects to you. It'll get lost in the details. So anyway, that's more of a, a way to say like, what is the what, the how, and the why? And let's, uh, if you will, turn in your Bibles to Colossians 3, verse 1 to 17. We'll see what Paul here in a letter that he wrote to a church is trying to say to us. So Colossians 3, and let me pray a second. <clears throat> Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. We would like to meet you here this morning. So we welcome you. And we ask that as I speak, that it would be your truth that sticks to our hearts, uh, not my truth, uh, that the things that I say that aren't on target would be forgotten. And the things that I say, though, that are on target, target would like haunt us, that we'd that take them with us as we go. So help us to focus. Help us to be receptive to you above all. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before I read Colossians 1, verse 17, I want to say a couple of things. The first thing I want to say actually connects back to last week. And I feel like the most profound thing to me, I don't know if it was the most profound thing to you, but the most profound thing that I said that uh, spoke to my heart at the deepest level is that when Jesus talks about conversion or repentance, he is targeting the why of who we are. To become a follower of Jesus, it is actually at that deepest level, our motives, our desires, our purpose, and our love that changes direction. That's what repent literally means, to change direction. And what we sometimes do in error is we try to convert people's behavior we try to make them do certain things, maybe do them in a certain way. Uh, we want them to stop doing that and start doing this. Uh, go to church, read your Bible, and, and go to life group, right? Which are all good things. But you can go to church every single Sunday. You can go and read your Bible every single week. You can go to life group all the time and never actually change your why. Never actually be converted. And Jesus, above all, wants your hearts. And he wants to give you a new heart so that out of that new heart, the way that you are flows out. And that, of course, affects what you do and how you do it. But it needs, he's interested in it starting at the heart level and flowing out from that. And so as I read Colossians 3, verses 1 to 17, which is a lot of Bible. Okay, we're reading a lot of Bible today. That's why I asked God to give us focus. Uh, but as I read, like this, you know, all, we believe all Scripture is God-breathed. It's all inspired. Like God is the author of it all. But some of it is electric. And I think this passage is electric. And I could, I, I could and I will return to this passage many, many times, I'm sure, in the years to come. Uh, because it's so, I think, I don't, it's just charged. 
But as I read today, I want you to kind of, as, as I walk through, like think, oh, Paul is making why statements. Paul is making how statements. Paul is making what statements. So notice that. And I'll, I'll pause a little bit as we go again because it's just it's quite, it's quite a lot. <laughs> so Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul says to the Colossians, the Christians living in Colossae, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. That's kind of like a why statement, right? At the core of us, you have been raised to new life. So set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. You see the what? Think about these things, the why, for you died to the old life. Your real life, the real you, your real why is in Jesus. And when Christ, Jesus, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So, put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You might think as I read that those are what statements, but I actually think that they're how statements. Notice how uh, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires are not actually things that you can see. They are things that you can't see, uh, maybe values that you have, uh, whatever the opposite of virtue is, vice, there it is, uh, that affect the things you do, right? Like the impurity, lust, and evil desires are in your heart that then come out of you as behaviors. So verse 7, uh, you used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. You see the anger, rage, malicious, but those are things like that you're doing. Don't lie to one another, right? For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and its wicked deeds. Don't lie to one another. What? Why? Because you have stripped off your old nature and its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are what? Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ or Jesus is all that matters. The external stuff, what you can see, doesn't matter as much as Jesus. Jesus is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Right? How? Now what? Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. That's a tough one. It's tough, especially because he doesn't say, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who comes to you and says they're sorry. Did you notice that? Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. And I think this is so tough that, uh, you know, Paul here is going to give a special why for this one. Why would you forgive someone who hasn't even asked for it? Because remember, 
the Lord forgave you. And so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, right? Which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Jesus' rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Right? Fill your lives. How, what, and why. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, right? Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Whew, man, you take all that in? It's a lot there. There's one metaphor that Paul keeps going back to. And it's, it's a really great metaphor. Uh, it's the metaphor of getting dressed. Did you hear how he kept using the word clothe and put on? Getting dressed is actually a, a really uh, interesting habit that we all have, believe it or not. But it's not something that you could do for yourself when you started out. Some of you who have kids probably had a moment where your kid walked out of the room and said, look, mommy, I dressed myself. And it was a little bit messy, right? Like they were probably wearing, if they were a girl, like a tutu and a sweater or something like that. Like it didn't, it didn't look quite right, but they, they gave it a try. But even that didn't come until what age, guys? I don't know. They're 25 for guys. Yeah, I learned how to dress myself about, about that time. It's true. It, it didn't happen when they were babies. It didn't happen when they were one, most likely. Like, they were dressed by someone else for the first several months, for the first season of their being. It was rehearsed. They watched you do it. And then they did it for themselves. And the first time they clothed themselves was the first time they clothed themselves. And the second time they clothed themselves was the second time. But they were on a journey so that by the time they were in college, they could show up to an 8.30 a.m. class and they were clothed even though they hadn't woken up yet. Right? Because they had clothed themselves for, you know, 18 years straight, it had become a habit. So they didn't even have to think about it. And that is the metaphor that Paul is using here. You see, it's not, it's not so much about doing the things as about becoming the kind of person. So that, of course, at first it takes focus and attention and a lot of thought to put on a pair of pants and a pair of socks and a sweatshirt. But over time, you actually just put it on automatic and I don't mean automatic in the bad sense. I mean, like I said a second ago, automatic in the sense that it just comes out of like who you are. You put your clothes on. You don't have to think about it. It comes easy. Of course, the clothes that Paul is asking us to wear are far more significant than a sweatshirt and jeans. 
He's asking us to clothe ourselves with tenderness, mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And so, too, will this take time, and so, too, will this take practice to get right. But if all you do is try to be more patient and more humble and more gentle and not work on the heart, your attempts will be futile. It's like what I said last week with uh, New Year's resolutions and how by February, 80% of people have failed in their resolution. To simply work on behavior modification is not going to take you where you want. You need your heart to change. And you need to uncover what your why is. Now, how do you find your why? Again, this isn't as easy as it sounds because of the way that our brains are wired. But how do you find your why? I think one way or two ways to find your why is to follow your fears or to, uh, on the other hand, follow your desires. And what you'll find is while you maybe want your why or hope your why is something like our what we've said about our church, to love like Jesus. That's one of the reasons why I like that. Like I can make to love like Jesus my own personal why, not just our why. I, I read a lot of corporate mission statements and I couldn't make you know, the mission statement of Mainline Hospital my own why. But I could make love like Jesus my why. Anyway, we might hope that, uh, that uh, we have an aspiration, you might say, to love like Jesus, but maybe that's not actually how we're living. Maybe that's not actually at the center of our motives or desires or of our love, perhaps. You might call that uh, the actual or the real why. But how do you find your why? Follow your fears. Follow your desires. So notice in yourself what shakes you or what rattles you. When something changes externally, what is it that gets you worked up? Like at that deep level. Because the reality is most of the things out there will change. So for instance, if a change of the guard in political party causes you great fear, it might mean that if you follow that fear to its, uh, to its conclusion, what, what you really want, your real why is, the political party to be in rule. It might go deeper than that, though. It might be about comfort and feeling safe, right? Your why might be comfort and feeling safe. And I think it's good to be honest about that. Um, and that's, it's not the end of the world. Like, I'm not saying that, you know, your relationship with Jesus is uh, at risk here, okay? Uh, but it's then a realization that, oh, a change in politics affects my heart in a way that I wish it wouldn't. A change in my job causes me a fear that, ca that makes me spin out of control. A change in the markets might affect you in such a way that your why might be money. Some, a change that happens to a lot of people, and I, I hear this just from people all the time, a lot of parents make their why what? They're kids, so when the kids move out of the house, their whole world has lost its center. So you can follow your fears. 
Uh, you can also follow your desires, like what do you want to do? What would, if you were, could do anything, where would you go? What would you be? What would you do, you know? Um, and, and desires are something that I think, again, are, are good to realize and can uncover where our why is coming from. But, so what do you do? Is there hope? Can you change or can you form your why to be different? If you don't like your why, if you realize, oh, my why is money, or my why is Facebook, I don't know, uh, what, what, how can I make my why to be more about Jesus and more about loving people and being in relationship with people? Is there anything I can do? Well, there's, uh, and before I go back into Colossians, there's a map here that gives me hope that you can change your why. Okay, so this map is a map of the U.S. listing the favorite NFL team of each state. And if, if that state is out of the state. So in Philadelphia, in, in Pennsylvania, the Eagles are not allowed to be chosen. So this is the second, the favorite out-of-state team. This is the favorite out-of-state team, okay? So... I was having a conversation with a friend of mine uh, named Phil from Maine, and he said, you know, there's a lot of people in Maine who like New York teams, and you can see there the Jets are listed up in Maine as the, the, the favorite out-of-state team, and he said, you know why that is? Do you know why that is? It's because... 30, 40 years ago, 20, 30 years ago, I'm not sure. He said people that are older are more likely to be fans of the New York teams because back then, the teams that were shown on television were out of the major market. So the TV stations were tuned in to the Jets and to the Giants. And so through watching the Jets Week after week after week, what happened? The people started to love the Jets. It shaped their desires. It shaped their love. You see how that works? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Okay, so Colossians 3, verse 16. There's an interesting shift here in Paul's, I don't know, his tones, for instance. And he says something that, uh, if you were reading it in the original language in the Greek, would really catch your attention. He says, let the message of Christ in all its richness fill your lives. And when the English translation here says message, your translation might say word, the Greek is logos. And logos is a Greek word that would bring to your mind uh, the reality that Jesus was present at the beginning of time, was instrumental in the creation of the entire world, but more than that, uh, is, is the force behind everything and the reason why it works and the order that is brought to chaos. So, when Paul here says, let the logos or the message of Christ and all its richness fill your lives, it, he's saying that is coming into your life to bring new focus and a new center and a new purpose, and it's going to fill you up how, what, why, every single piece of you. That force, the force that created the universe, that created you, that brings order to all things, is coming to dwell in you from head to toe, 
from heart to head, body and soul, mind and spirit, is coming into you. It's, it's, a, it's a boom. <laughs> it's amazing. But he goes on, he says, in a sense, if you want that to be true, what is the path? And so he says here, teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And, or so that, whatever you do and say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. John Calvin, who was a reformer in the church, uh, probably if you're into history, without John Calvin, there's no enlightenment. If you want to ask me why I think that, we'll talk later. It'd be, a, it'd be a tangent here. But John Calvin, who was a reformer for the church, says the church is a gymnasium. In other words, just as we learn through practice to put on our clothes over the course of our life, the idea is that when you come to church, you exercise your heart muscles. You learn at church, through church, uh, and when I say church, I don't mean the building, I mean the people, I mean what we're doing, and helps you exercise your love or your desires. Again, it's about becoming a certain type of person, not about, well, what sometimes people think the church is, about acquiring information. The church is not a lecture hall, as sometimes people think of it as. I come to church to learn more. John Calvin says, and I'm saying, and I think Paul is saying here, church is supposed to be a place where you exercise or practice how to be and love like Jesus. And the reason I say I think it's church is, well, what do we do at church? Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Like, that's what we're doing here. Uh, and so... Love, I guess I could just say this, love takes practice. And so when you come to church, what we actually do is we do that same thing over and over and over again. We rehearse the story of God's action in the world as uh, told in the Bible. We worship, in a sense, to turn our hearts to God and hopefully hear from God and relate to God and interact with God during that worship. In a sense, our invitation at church is to get dressed, to clothe ourselves with humility and mercy and gentleness and kindness and patience. Because at the center of it all is Jesus. Of course, uh, the opposite is also true. We can come to church and form our hearts toward those things, but uh, the other habits that you have in your life are also forming you. Everything is trying to get or capture your heart. And so my wife and I, uh, some of you know this, uh, one of the things we do to connect is we go to LA Fitness, we swim, and then we sit in a hot tub. Uh, and that's, that's where we like talk and connect because I can't, you know, you can't bring your phone into the hot tub and I can't get away, I can't wander off because, you know, there's like a tub. <laughs> I don't know, I think, uh, I, re I heard someone say that's a men thing, like men do that, they'll just like wander off in the middle of a conversation, I don't know if it's true or not, 
if it's all men. It's me. It's certainly true of me. Uh, but we, when Allison got pregnant, uh, we couldn't sit in the hot tub anymore. And so we lost that habit. And what happened is, is we lost that space where we would connect and relate and talk about our days and how we were doing and all that, why we were doing it and all that. And we realized, oh man, we're not in a good place. So what we did was, well, we'll start going for walks. And we'll get the exercise. Uh, we stopped swimming in the pool because nobody wants to go into a cold pool uh, when you can't go into a hot pool afterward. That's at least how we think about it. We started walking outside, uh, often at night with our headlamps, just because that's when we would finally get around to it. Then something happened that ruined our walking. It got cold. <laughs> Every year about this time, temperatures go down. Anyway, so what did we do? Well, we decided where can we walk where it's warm. So where did we go? The mall. What happens in the mall? We had no intention to buy anything. And we walked by store after store after store, and Allison asked, can we go in? <laughs> oh, look, there's a sale. At the front of every store in the mall is a declaration about what's most important, what your purpose is, and that you should buy the things inside so that you can find fulfillment, right? We... We resisted, and I'm not saying it's her versus me, because I had been doing fine with my three-year-old iPhone until I walked by the T-Mobile store, which was advertising what? Sign up with us and get a free iPhone. And suddenly, my heart had been tripped, right? It, it, was, a, it was a call out to my heart. You want a new iPhone. And I, before I went into the mall, I didn't want a new iPhone. I was feeling good about my iPhone. But the mall... Every time you go to the mall, the mall is whispering to the very core of your being, telling you who you are and why you are. The same thing happens uh, in maybe a more positive example. If you're into CrossFit or if you're into exercising, right, you go to the gym. If you go to the gym often enough, you will become part of a culture that actually helps you love going to the gym. The people who go to the gym... You know them. I think everyone else is lying about working out. But the people who go to the gym a lot, like, they, they, they want to. It's a weird thing. I don't personally understand it. But it doesn't matter what day of the week it is. The gym, LA Fitness, is open on, like, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. They're open on the craziest days because people want to go. It's, it's like, in some cases, almost an addiction. Maybe, not, you know, it's like a positive addiction. I want to go to the gym and work out and be healthy. Uh, so CrossFit is actually appealing to your heart, Josh. Hasn't it? It has. Uh, you go on Facebook. Facebook is broadcasting something about why you exist and what you should do with your life. Usually not making you feel full and content. Usually making you feel the other way. I guess depending on who your friends are. But it works both ways. Like everything is vying for our hearts. And so as a church, we want to not only speak to the mind, right? We want to speak to that part of ourselves that drives who we are, the feelings, the purpose, the desires, and the loves. And so worship is both expressive, right? Singing is expressive and formative. It's not simply something that we do, it's something that also does something to us. Just as going to the mall 
is not just something that we do. It is something that is done to us. So, to go back to this chart one more time, our why is Jesus and the way he loves. Formation and vulnerability is the how. And just as it is described here, uh, doing church services like this, but also going to life groups affect who we are. And that's why our life groups are relationally driven, not information driven, because we believe that it is actually through relationships that form us. The people that you are most like are probably the people that you spend the most time with. And if you're like your parents, it's because you spend a lot of time with your parents in some very formative years. We can't escape it. And if, if your parents are concerned about who your friends are, teens, kids, it's because they know that the people you spend the most time with are the people that you will start to uh, behave like because they're the people that form you. But let's, let's now go and land on Colossians 3, verse 12. This, I think, is maybe the statement that we need to rehearse every single week, perhaps every single day, because it speaks to the why of who we are. And we have to be reminded of it. It is the thing that forms us. Uh, in verse 12, it says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And if I've just jumped down, oh yeah, verse 13, make allowance for each other's faults and, give anyone who, and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, and so you must forgive others. We need to remember every single day and every single interaction that the Lord forgave you. And it is not because you have clothed yourself with kindness and gentleness uh, and humility and all those things, right? I love that, they use humi- that he brings up humility here because it's not about you and what you've accomplished. It's not that you've earned God's favor. No, before that, it says, since God chose you to be holy, he loved the holy people that he loves. To be holy means to be set apart, to be different, to be special, to be uh, like, I guess to be loved by God before our behaviors, before our virtue. He chose us before all that so that he could transform us to be more like him. So love takes practice. And we're trying to form our hearts to love more like Jesus loves in the way that he loves. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we open up ourselves to you. We, at this moment, uh, confess and repent. Uh, We want to change the direction of our hearts from the things of this world, like fame and beauty and riches and stuff uh, and popularity. And I guess we trust that all those things will change and fade, including comfort, if that is our goal. We trust that if we turn our hearts to you, that your love will never change because it's based in who you are, not in what we've done or how we've done it. You've given us a new identity and you've called us children. You've called us, called us chosen and holy and loved. We thank you for that. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family 
and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.